Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Hi, I'm Jake, uh, Newcastle fan. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two N's. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Dan, obviously a tough loss to West Ham, but how have you guys been recovering, and are there any transfer dealings we should be paying attention to? Well, uh, that game could have gone better. Yeah, we just didn't play up to scratch. West Ham defended very well after they got their first goal. It was always going to be difficult to score against them because they just sat deep and defended. And with the players we had in the lineup, it just it didn't click. The balance wasn't right. Uh, Aaron Ramsey central midfield over Santi Zola may have been a mistake, but I mean it's one game out of thirty-eight. The sky may be falling for some, but I still think uh, the sky is going to stay in the sky for at least another twelve months. But for next week, like Palace, everyone's kind of nervous for that now because you know lost one. Everyone's more nervous for the other. As far as transfer dealings, nothing. Nothing at all, except one model, Twitter model, making ITK history by apparently having some connections to Real Madrid and telling everyone that Benzema is going to Arsenal until today, where she said, be wary. It's just really, really weird or funny, depending on who you are. But other than that weird little link, oh, we did get linked to... Uh, Sevilla is Polish defensive midfielder. I'm just oh, going to call him Greg. Oh, I just Greg Zwerzwiak. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been like the him because Coughlin had a mare on Saturday, Sunday. And so, you know, naturally linked to defensive midfielders. I wouldn't mind him at all, but apparently Wenger doesn't fancy him. And uh, I saw someone compare. He's only that. in the La Liga team of the year. Why would he rate him? Yeah. Apparently, it's too similar to Coughlin. But, um,. Was it someone said, I don't want Markovic Rogers, so if it's not up to Wenger uh, doesn't fancy him, don't get him, and I can't disagree with that. But I would still like a defensive midfielder. I think if we're going to get one, we're going to go for more of an Arteta type, someone who can control the games where that we should win, like the game against West Ham, because that was a big problem. We lacked control in the midfield with Coughlin next to Ramsey. But um, yeah, no real concrete transformers outside of Greg, which is going to be his name. I don't care. It's That's his name. <laughs> and yeah outside of that we don't have a lot going for us just you know people saying the sky is falling Wenger out burn down the Emirates all that fun stuff yeah wouldn't be hugely opposed to any of that but on a more serious note <laughs> um we've already talked several times about who who's going to be playing as as kind of your wide backs in defense now we're starting to have more issues with Oxley Chamberlain performing well Walcott trying to get into the team uh, how do you kind of see your front four developing in the near future? Um, I have no idea, honestly. But um, as far as outside backs, please get me Bellerin back because Debussy was awful. But it's really complicated because it really a lot of it depends if we do buy a defensive midfielder because with Coughlin as our defensive midfielder, I'm not sure you can play Ramsey next to him because the West Ham game was a perfect example of since Ramsey goes and makes those runs into the penalty area and all that, that's a big part of this game. It'll leave Coughlin by himself, and he just doesn't have the passing ability to control the game in possession. So with Coughlin, I'd say 
would put Santa Cazorla next to Coughlin, and then the front four would be probably Giroux at striker, Alexis on the left, Ozil at 10, and the right wing is just up for debate, whether it's Oxlade-Chamberlain, Aaron Ramsey, because you just need him in the team, Theo Walcott, uh, Danny Welbeck, if he ever you know, becomes fit again, Jack Wilshere, is he, well, he's more of a, he plays on the left, not the right, but no, no, yeah, he plays on the right. So he could play on the right. It's there's a whole host of people who could play there. And if if it was up to me, I would buy a defensive midfielder, put Ramsey next to said defensive midfielder, and um, go with Alexis, Ozil, Oxley, Chamberlain, Giroux. But it's not up to me, and I'm not sure we're going to be able to buy a defensive midfielder. So what's actually going to happen, I have no idea. But that's my preference. Yeah, it seems harsh on Cthulhu, but it's hard to not be harsh on anyone with that many players in similar positions. Yeah. It's just Aaron or MZ. If you can get him in the team functioning, that's just so yeah. that's so helpful. The goals from midfield are just invaluable. Yeah. All right, well, Jake, Newcastle uh, performed better than Tottenham or Arsenal did, getting a 2-2 draw against Southampton and played very well. What was your view from that match, and is there any other news coming out of Newcastle? Yeah, it was a it was a good game. We got the uh, point, which was rare for us. We normally start the season really badly, so that was very really good. And we played. I think you could uh, tell we had a new coaching staff in because we played a completely different brand of football than we're used to. We were pressing high up the pitch. We were uh, passing the ball. There wasn't really any long balls until Mitrovic came on later on. Um, yeah, it, was, it just looked like the team were a lot fitter than they normally are to start the season. They just, and the the system we were playing suited the players far more than either Pardew or Carver ever found one to like to play so that was really really good um we had steve mclaren up in the stands which is slightly different with his really old telephone which was hilarious but that was uh that was like another part of the game and he was and obviously i don't know if that changes manager uh managers views at all watching from the stands but like someone to keep an eye on at least because i know he likes to do that um as for the as for the game we probably deserved to win it for the first 75 minutes so then we tired and I think Southampton's extra match fitness came in and they yeah they, they could have won it late on but overall I think the draw was a fair result and it was a really good game of football I'd probably say it's probably the best game of football out of the out of the first game week which is very odd for a Newcastle fan to say because we normally are involved in some terrible matches so going forward if we play like that and we put that effort in wherever we finish you know I don't think we're going to complain because we don't we don't unlike some people think we do we don't expect to finish high up we just want a team that tries and it's like and it looks like we're, and good football is a bonus but we just want players that try and they definitely did it at the weekend so I can't complain there um, I'll just give a, give a shout out to a couple of the new players uh, I think everybody saw Chancel and Bemba turn up in a tux which was quite funny yeah I, I, I think that makes him probably the coolest footballer in the Premier League just turning up to his, his debut in a tux I don't, I don't know why he did it I think we, we've been told to wear suits now the players have so but a tux, that was, that was just incredible. That was hilarious. He probably got so much abuse in the, uh, the dressing room when he got in there, but it was a good image. Then we had Mitrovic, who was probably the craziest, who could have got, he probably should have got sent off after three seconds, which was just hilarious. And, and crazily, that's not that surprising from a player like Mitrovic. Like you're just like, it, you, you got to kind of take the bad with the good. Literally, as soon as that happened, I just started laughing. I was like, yeah, I've heard, like <laughs> from what I've heard about Mitrovic, it didn't surprise me at all. Then he elbowed, I think, Jose Font about five minutes later. So it was just, yeah. He'll be an interesting player to watch, to say the least. But yeah, it was a, 
it's a good first game week and I think that if we play like we've got a tough start I think we've got the toughest start of anyone I think we've got Swansea and then Manchester United then Arsenal so yeah we might it's a tough start but if we play like that I think we're gonna we're gonna pick up more points than people expect us to and I think we're gonna surprise quite a few uh, quite a few teams this season so that's a real positive going forward uh, outside of the, the game I think not much has gone on this week uh, no more transfers in We've been still linked to Charlie Austin, but he's like gone into talks for a new deal. So I don't know what's going on there. Maybe that's just leverage to get him moved to another club. I don't know. I think I think someone's going to get him this this summer. But you know, for a long time I thought we were going to get him, but I'm moving away from that now. I think I think he could end up at Spurs. To be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. He seems like that type of thing mm-hmm. where Tottenham would go out and go out for Berahino and then just go for the cheaper option. Oh yeah, for it's, sure. That's very lean, so, yes. So, I'm hoping we get Charlie Austin, but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Uh, I think a left-back is something we need to go for. We've been linked to Guerrero, I think. I don't know who he plays for. I think he plays for Lorient. I'm not, I'm, I'm not too sure. Pretty sure really he plays him. for Lorient. I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he plays for Lorient. Yeah, we've been linked with him, but then I think PSG also are linked, and we've also been linked with Sam Byram, and I think it is uh, Lewis Dunk from the Championship, Leeds and Brighton. So, been linked to a, a few players, but nothing seems to be going on. I think, I think if anything's going to happen, it's going to happen next week. We'll see if we're going to sign any more players. I think we need another striker and a left back, but if we don't get it, I think we've got strength in depth because I mean, on Sat on Sunday, our bench was as strong as it's ever been, and we still got Remy Cabella, Yoan Gufran. Paul Dummett and a couple of others to come who didn't even get on the bench. That's really promising going forward. Uh, mm. And I don't think we'll lose anyone as well. So that's, that's really positive. I think it was a. I think it's been a. It's been a quiet week, but you know it's been a quite a good week. Uh, and once everybody's fit, how often do you think uh, Obertan will get into the side? Yeah. Surprisingly, I think he's going to play a lot more than people expect. I think. Really much to your chagrin. That sounds depressing. <laughs> I, I, I was I was surprised to see him on the uh, starting eleven, but he played really well. He, he got an assist for the goal. He he did play a lot better than he normally does. And I think last season he, he was he was one of our better players when he was in in that sort of run of form. So I think he I think he just got that reputation from a long from like when he was at Manchester United and at the first couple of seasons at Newcastle. But I think he's a, he's a lot better than people give him credit for. He's not inc- I wouldn't pick him in my strongest eleven, but if he plays, I think he can do a job, and he's probably gonna fade out of the team at some point but probably Cabela or maybe Aaron's because neither Aaron's or Perez played at the weekend which was I guess not that surprising but they were both on the bench so we've got we've got strength and depth in those attacking positions but yeah I think McLaren likes Overtown because he's like a, an out and out winger but they mm-hmm. did he did play him on the left hand side and he did look a bit uncomfortable there and both the goals came down the left so I would definitely I don't know Going forward, I think he can play an impact off the bench, but it seems a starter, especially at left wing, because it did leave us open at the back. But yeah, he's not the worst player in the world. I think there's there's worse players in the Premier League who play every <laughs> week. Maybe. Yeah, and uh, kind of give us a timetable on when you think Mitrovic might win that job. What, as a starter? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, he's probably going to get... get He's probably going to get in there eventually because I don't see Cisse as a player who's going to play every single week because of his injuries and because of just the way he is. I don't think he's the type of striker who can stay in form for a whole season. 
I think at the moment, I think Cissé is probably going to be our main striker probably for the first five or six weeks. We'll see how he does. And I think Mitrovic will get minutes off the bench. I don't. I think maybe playing him from the start might be better because if he comes off from the if he comes off the bench, he might be too eager to make an impact like he was on Sunday. But yeah, yeah I definitely see him as our main striker going forward. But a lot depends on how Cissé does and whether we bring in Austin or another forward. But yeah, I, I think he's going to he's eventually going to get that that starting position ahead of Cissé. All right, um, for Tottenham, Clinton and G, who we've been mentioning several times, is all but been announced. Been at, at the training facility, allegedly was uh, either scheduled for the medical today or tomorrow, but all the fees are agreed with both Lyon and the player, so that will happen very quickly. Uh, in the outgoings category, Roberto Soldado was spotted at Villarreal's offices today. Um, as I mentioned earlier in the week on uh, Dave Hendricks' All In Sports talk show, uh, I, I think we're just waiting to announce both. We've been sitting on a Soldado Out deal for a while. I think we just wanted to kind of uh, placate the fan base by announcing a player coming in at the same time. So I'd expect that probably happen tomorrow or today when you're listening to this. Um, when asked about it today, Pochettino says we're only looking to bring one striker in. Uh, we're not really sure if that means in, J- in the... In G is that striker, or if we're planning to use him more on the wing, which is what I was thinking we were chasing him for, just to kind of add that added pace on the wing that, that we are really uh, lacking at the moment. Uh, if we are in for a striker, uh, it's not looking great at the moment. It looks like we've been priced out of the Barahino deal. Um, Van Gaal said Chicharito is staying at Manchester United, and Basel said Briel and Bolo is staying for at least another season. So. Uh, I was very optimistic early this week, being linked to all three, thinking, you know, I'm not expecting to get all three or even two, but, you know, surely one of them will come through, and it's now looking like all of them have not uh, come to fruition. As Jake mentioned, Charlie Austin now being very heavily linked, although, as he also mentioned, he's being linked to a new contract while at QPR. The media have jumped all over this. I think it's the most obvious solution to our we-only-have-one-striker dilemma, but I think it might be one of those one-plus-one-equals-three things where QPR want to sell him, the player wants to go, the agent wants him to go, and we need a striker, and so it's really easy to link the two. Um, not really sure how heavy the interest is on our side, uh, to be frank, but we'll see what happens. We do need another striker in, though, and NG is a small, pacey guy that I'm not really sure fits the bill for us there. Uh, Bender and Yarmolenko are still options, according to multiple reliable sources, but allegedly we're not close on either, which is a very easy way to back out of a thing that is kind of an outlandish claim. But we'll see if either of them happen, especially with Adebayor and Lennon looking to also be on the way out. Um, as some have mentioned, I, I might have mentioned it previously as well, uh, neither of them were given squad numbers and are going to be frozen out a la Benny Asuakoto. Um so, but but every day neither of them go is another day that I'm fearful. We'll just be stuck with their wages while they sit and rot on our bench or in our youth team. So only time will tell on that, but uh, those are kind of the rumors both in and outgoing, uh, which leads us very handily into the topic, which is Arsene Wenger mentioned at the weekend uh, that the transfer window should close before the first match week. We meant to get to it on Sunday, ran out of time, thought it was too good of a topic to not bring up, even though there's been a bit of a delay. So what do you guys think about the transfer window? And do you think that it should be closed before the season starts? Or are you fine with it lasting until August 31st? Yeah, I agree with him. Because I'd say if there's going to be transfer into a system like there is, I'd say the first one should close before the season. Then if you have some problems with your squad, that's where you fix it in January. Personally, I prefer the American style. It's open up until the very end of the season system. 
but that's just not how it works in Europe. So if you're going to have it like it is, I'd prefer it to be over before the season so you can just focus on the football and just get rid of all the stupid transfer talk that goes up until the final day while games are still going on. It gets really very annoying, and I'm sure it can't help when you're actually playing because you can't have your focus 100% on the games. You have players who are not focused playing while they're trying to negotiate moves. You have this whole David De Gea situation. So I would agree with them that I think it'd be just better to end it before the season starts. Yeah, I I think that too. I mean, I mean, it's it is a massive distraction if, if you've got a if you've got a squad of players, especially for the lower clubs, when you've got like uh, a player who is being linked away and you want to use him in your team, but you can't use him because you don't want him to get injured or you, he's not his head's not in the right place, like we had with Kabai a couple, uh, few seasons ago. I think it just does this create uncertainty and it would just be a lot easier if you had your squad on the first game day and that's the team that, you know, that's the squad you've got until January, then everyone could be fully focused on the season. You don't have anything like going on in the background. I mean, this, I mean, since the season started, there hasn't really been much transfer business done. So, I mean, basically from now until deadline day, I don't think there's going to be a terrible amount of business done anyway. Then you'll get all the panic signings on deadline day, which most of which, you know, turn bad anyway because they're players you don't really want, but you're just getting because you've had a bad start. So, yeah, I, I think it would just be a lot simpler for all teams if they have their squad on on the first game week. And I, my preference on a transfer window would probably be that we had a, a winter break where you could get your transfer business done. And then again, you start the season without a window on in the background. I think that would be a lot better because I think the, having a transfer window when the season's going on is just distracting for players, managers, chairman, you know. And the, the fact we have a January window sometimes means that managers lose their job in December just so you can get a new one in to buy some players. I think that, that's what happened at West Brom when Steve Clark was back. And that was probably, I don't know, an early sacking purely because of the transfer window. So I think the transfer window is a bad thing in a season. It just creates too much uncertainty for me. And I'd being a Newcastle fan, having uncertainty going on when you have matches is just terrible because we always have players that want to leave. And it's just, yeah, I'd much rather it was done before the season than you had a, a, a winter break in the middle just to deal with it. So that's, that's probably what, that's where I would move if I was the FA or the Premier League. But I think they just like the drama of the transfer window. That's yeah. why they, they do it how it is, yeah. Yeah, it would definitely save a month of misery and also unwarranted Twitter joy for Spurs fans if it ended before the season started. But I, I'm kind of on the other side. I think that the current system is probably for the best because it gives kind of teams time to evaluate what's going on when you have injuries. Like, Sunderland thought they were fine. They brought in Jermaine Lenz. They brought in Eunice Kabul. I'm not saying those are... I do think Lens is great. I'm not sure Kabul is really the answer for them. But they thought that they were really ready to get the season started. And then Adam Johnson goes down in training and he's out for two months. And so now they're being linked to a lot of players like Yanazai, Townsend, to try to fix that before things really get going. And I, I think it's good that you have that kind of flexibility early on. Obviously, other long-term issues with Adam Johnson, but not really going to, to touch on that too much. Um yeah, don't touch on that at all. Ever. <laughs> um, the three weeks of play that happen during the window allows clubs and managers, like I said, to identify the weaknesses in their squad and plug them in before the window closes, and then they can kind of gel throughout the thing. I do agree with you, Jake, that 
if having a season uh, occur during the transfer window is so awful, why do we have a winter transfer window? It doesn't really seem like you can have the opinion of we have to get rid of it but then be fine with the winter window because it's the same thing. It's the same kind of unsettling factor for both players. But I do think it's a lot harder on the fans than it is on the clubs because if you're in a position of authority like that and it's your money you're spending, I feel like it's always best to have the most information possible. And having an extra month to really figure out exactly what you're trying to do and if there are other options that can be had for cheap or if a bigger player signs at a different club and then that means a lesser player becomes available. You know, all of that happening during the season, it, it wouldn't happen in the offseason because people would already be all set and so you wouldn't see as many exciting bargains that, that you see in the Premier League uh, that we do at the moment. And that is to kind of to your point, it, it brings forth the drama and you get to see players that you're watching where you're just like really excited and then you get players showing up at your pitch like uh, Salman Rondon did for, for West Brom's match, uh, like Shakiri was at, at Stokes' match. And those are all just very evocative images and like, oh yeah, we're finally going to get him, there's proof. Uh, I, I think it can be fun. I, I realize that for players, it's probably awful, not knowing what your future lies. But that's pretty much the case all the time for, for most athletes, that you're always kind of on the chopping block if you don't perform. But I think from a club perspective, you know, we all want our clubs to do the best they can. And for me, I think having more information for longer periods of time is always a good thing. And, and because of that, I, I think it's worth sticking with the current system because you can fill in players that are hurt. You have more flexibility if you realize that you have a positional weakness. Like, Tottenham, we're playing Eric Dyer in central midfield. Uh, and I think we honestly thought that was going to work. And now maybe we're having some questions about it, which, for me, we should have had in the first place. And so now we're looking more heavily into central midfielders. And I just think being able to see your team against that, the level of competition you'll be playing all season and really getting to see how you react to that instead of just preseason friendlies where there's a lot of travel involved, a lot of times playing foreign teams. Uh, I, I think it offers more... Uh, information to the clubs that they can make better decisions off of. Yeah, I, I get the point, but surely you have, you've just had a whole season with that squad and you should know, you know what you need and what you don't need based on the previous season anyway. Like Newcastle fans knew we needed a striker, we knew we needed a centre-back, a winger and a centre midfielder. So and that hasn't really changed at all. And I, under, I can see the flexibility and... But I, I just think it would be a lot better to go with the window shutting because you say about injuries and things and watching your squad, but and watching your team. But that happens. You you might that happens again in September, October. You don't have a transfer window then. So I think it's just better to. I think at the moment the Premier League have the halfway house where we have. So I think it would be a better either either if we had just had the window open all the time or if we had it between the, between games. So like, mm. one like in winter and in the summer. I think we. I think either one would be good. But at the moment, it's just halfway, and it's just yeah. Interesting. I, we we do like yeah. to think that we don't just complain, but that we offer solutions. What is that the solution that you you think we could most do? Is maybe just have kind of like a the window open most of the time or none at all? Yeah, I, I think it it should be one or the other. That's my personal view. I'm not just gonna complain about the current one and not like. And you, you said about how excited it is to like see players turn up and like watch your games, which it, it like when you're just about to sign like Shakiri, I mean Stoke fans must have been psyched off they saw him in the crowd. Although he didn't but look that we, psyched. <laughs> <laughs> no, he Did you see his picture like with the shirt? He looks <laughs> so yeah, he weird. Did. Yeah, his career's just gone downhill, hasn't it? But 
Like, I mean, that's good for Stoke fans. And we, we got told, I think it came out on Sunday, that Jetro Willems was at the Newcastle game. And then mm. for about half, for about an hour, everyone was getting excited. And then they remembered he's injured for four months. And it came out that he just, like, came to watch, he just came to watch Wine out of, which was yeah. just like, oh, <laughs> we need a left back. And one turns up and it's just got nothing to do with us. And even to be fair, when, we know that, uh, to be fair, uh, he, he developed very well last year. Jetro Willems, after a yeah. very disappointing early start at the Euros in 2012, people already wrote him off, but he was like 17 at the time. But yeah, he, he's really starting to look a player at left back. Even Instagrammed a photo of him flying to Newcastle saying, fly to the future. I mean, what? If he just like watching <laughs> it, he As if he was like, trolling. <laughs> that was just, yeah, so you, you get that as well, which <laughs> was just, or I got excited for about an hour, and then yeah, that, that went. But yeah, <laughs> It is an interesting debate, and I don't think... A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League will change it, but I, I can see why it frustrates a lot of managers. More so than... More so than the the like the chairman because obviously they want to know that they're buying players that they need. But yeah, um, my my you know off the top of my head suggestion is you can only buy players during the off season, but you can loan players whenever. Um, just because that would allow for a lot of more youth movement and. I, you know, I don't want to touch on this too much, but Sherwood's comments today on England players being way overpriced is kind of because we're not doing the homegrown rule right. We're, we have a whole lot of homegrown players that we just have rotting on benches so that we can meet quotas instead of actually bringing them through the way that they did in Germany and Spain where you're, you're kind of having these golden generations. Um, so I, I, I would like the idea of kind of a loan thing because then if you know, you're in the Sunderland example, which I presented earlier, then he goes down and then you're in for a loan for a player like Andros Townsend who with the signing of NG is probably third choice at right wing, and so now all of a sudden you still meet your team quota because he's still technically on your roster, but then you can loan him, oh, roster, that was so American, in your squad, um, but then you can loan him out and and offer to fill those holes, and they could be much shorter, just like month-long loans. I, 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 you know, I haven't really thought about this in depth or thought about the negatives of it, but that's what comes to my mind. So kind of like how they do it in the lower leagues? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's the thing, yeah. They kind do, you, of do you have a solution like for us, Dan? I'd be down for that. Um, I'm a proponent of, like, they. Do, well, you know, American. How we do it in American sports, have it open for the majority of the season. Or, or like Jake said, have it open when there is no games. One or the other, you can't do both. So basically what Jake said is I think that's the best way to go. Yeah, and then close it before the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think those are all excellent ideas put forth, and we hope the FA is listening, and I'll try to work more on my loan idea, because I'm sure there's something I'm missing that's why that isn't the case. But the more I think about it, I'm like, why, why don't we just do that? But we and will Greg Dice, Greg Dice, homegrown quotas don't work. They just turn Scott, they just make Scott Sinclair and Jack Rodwell things. Yeah. Yeah, right? Gosh. And, and you know... All of a sudden, Berahino looks like he's going elsewhere. I'm not really sure where, but if he ends up at like a bigger club just to fill a quota, I, I would be so very frustrated um, when he could obviously get playing time for us. And that's not a biased opinion at all. All right, so 
Now we're going to move on to Player Watch, whereas it's a midweek one, we're not going to talk about matches we've already played. We're going to look forward to match week two and look at the fantasy option that you think will have the best match this weekend. We'll start with Dan. Who do you think at Arsenal is going to have the best fantasy week? Um, I'd say none of the defenders are goalkeeper because we always concede against Palace away. But um, I'd probably say if you're looking for a bargain, maybe Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. But if you're just looking for most points, uh, I'd probably go with Mesut because he's definitely going to play. And he's if we create a goal, there's a decent chance he'll be part of it, whether he's on the end of it or assisting it. So, yeah, bargain Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, stud. Is it looking like Alexis will be back in time? Uh, Wenger says he is. I says he is ready. I don't know how ready that is. So uh, he could <laughs> maybe make yeah. another late appearance. I cannot believe we used him as West Ham. He wasn't supposed to come back till the Liverpool game, but uh, mm. well, one he is really fit. It's not just Wenger. Apparently, he is much more fit than they expect him. But I, I would rather not use him and just let him rest. But I don't know. He's insane, so he'll probably demand to start. But I'm not sure if he's going to start, so that's why I'd be a bit more hesitant against him. And Ozil's definitely going to start, because he's Mesut Ozil, and he's our 10. Mm. All right, and Jake, tell the good people who they should pick up from Newcastle. Well, yeah, I, I'm probably the same as Dan. Avoid Tim Kroll or any of our defenders, because we're definitely going to concede against Swansea. Although, saying that, our weakness is aerial threat, and Swansea are more on the floor, so maybe we might do a bit better on that front this weekend, but I would, I don't know, if you're, if you if, I'd probably give him a Papi Cissé, I mean, he's quite a cheap striker compared to, you know, the the big strikers, he's a, he's a good, solid second option after an Aguero or a, or a Rooney, so yeah, I'd definitely go for Cissé, he scored, he's got two braces at the Liberty Stadium since he came to Newcastle, so he, he's got Formian and uh, Swansea, and he got a goal at the opening weekend, and he has just been he has just been an incredible goal scoring form in his whole career. I mean, I think he, in his whole career, he basically gets one in two, which is incredible considering he's a player we're we're considering selling. Mm. Which, yeah, but he's a solid he's a solid option in the fancy in fancy football, especially if you especially at the moment because he's definitely going to be a starter for at least the next five or six game weeks, so you can bring him in for that. And I would not be surprised if he got four, five, six goals over that period. So yeah. I'd, mm. He's one to get in this weekend. Other other options, probably going to be a similar team that played um, against Southampton. So, you know, you've got Overtown, Wijnaldum, and Sissoko in the attacking positions. And I think they're the, along with Cito, they're the only sort of four players who are going to get any sort of points because the rest of our team doesn't. If you're desperate for a defender, go for Yarmark. But apart from that, yeah, I'd say Cito is probably the most obvious one mm. from, yeah. from Newcastle. And you, you mentioned that he's at a discount. You can get him for cheaper than Welbeck, Loic, Ramey, Falcao, Ings, Balotelli, Jay Rodriguez, and newly minted Solomon Rondo. Uh, and at the same price as Barahino, Andy Carroll, who isn't seen anywhere, uh, and Diafrasaka, who is facing his own legal issues at the moment. So uh, amongst that crop, say is definitely the one that stands out if he's going to be getting the minutes. Um for Tottenham, it's, you know, when I was writing this up, I thought it would be a really good idea and then realized it's just going to be Ericsson every week. Um, Harry Kane can get marked out of matches at times. And I think the way that he's learning to develop is, is his movement was a lot better against Manchester United. Not in the final third. That's always been amazing. But 
Uh, he really seemed to kind of be pulling the defense every which way, uh, which opened up a lot of space for Christian Eriksen. And if you're a defender in the Premier League playing Tottenham, the last thing you want to see is Eriksen in a lot of space because you know he's either going to pick the pass or do you himself, and and that's not an encouraging thing for uh, defenses to see coming at them. Um, and as well as that, he he's a very high floor kind of guy because. He's going to take every corner. He's taking every free kick. He's third in the penalty list. Um, so the, the kind of like your Utsil point, Dan, you know, if, if Tottenham score, Eriksen is like 90% of the time involved. And so with that, it, like I said, very high floor. He's very rarely going to get you a uh, few points and will very often get you tons of points. And for that reason, he's always a good fantasy pick for me uh, just because the, the number of times that he'll be quote-unquote disappointing uh, is so low. Um, other options, you know, don't pick up Vorm. <laughs> uh, it looks like Larissa is going to be back in time, but also don't pick up Larissa yet in case he isn't. Uh, so that's questionable. I, I was started off very hesitant on Toby Alderweireld and and Jan Vertonghen, but it looks like they're going to be the real deal. Uh, I mentioned on Sunday, um, held Manchester United, who I think are going to be in the title chase, to just one shot on target in one corner. Uh, and that was with Kyle Walker doing everything he could to sabotage our performance. So uh, if you plug Including in Trippier there. Huh? <laughs> Including scoring for the other team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pr- with great aplomb. Just just rolled it into the bottom finish, left. Yeah. <laughs> just outside the reach of the keeper. Um, but yeah, I, I'm surprised at how willing I am now for, for Toby Alderweireld and, and Vertonghen to both be owned. But um, I, th- I think we might actually get clean sheets this year. Not advocating chasing clean sheets. It's just like chasing assists. It's a terrible idea. But, uh, you know, if you're stuck and they're both pretty cheap options as well, uh, I-, I think they m- might, you know, both kind of be a look for what I believe is around five. Yeah, they're both at five. So take a look at them if you would like. And now on to full match previews, where we'll be quickly looking at our team's fixtures this coming weekend. Uh, first match is on Friday, by the way. So for all those people listening to the fantasy stuff, you need to set your lineups Friday morning, because otherwise they'll be locked for the weekend and you'll be a very sad person. Um, but Tottenham don't play then. We play Saturday uh, against Stoke at White Hart Lane. I think it's going to be a very interesting one. Hopefully Stoke... Just do something. I, I watched that Stoke-Liverpool match at the weekend, and it was just phenomenally bored. Um, I think Mama Biram Doof could really cause some issues for us. Still remains to be seen if Jerdan Shakiri will be getting the start, but it does look Danny Rose will be fit in time, which obviously would be of great benefit. Ben Davis is an entirely decent footballer, but not a great one by any stretch. Uh, so having Rose in there, I think, would really, really help. Uh, on the right, hoping that we see Kieran Trippier over Kyle Walker. I don't know how he, that could not happen after seeing how he performed in training and preseason and then Kyle Walker getting the start and then doing that. I, I don't know what else a player could do to get dropped, but hopefully it's been enough um, to see Kieran Trippier come into the side. Uh, and he just whips in all kinds of devilish balls, which I think is the best way to get at Stoke right now. Um, not sure Eric Peters is going to be fit in time. He He was substituted early in that match against Liverpool. Uh, they're just kind of clam- cl- uh, kind of throwing a defense together. So hopefully we'll be able to really kind of attack them wholeheartedly. Uh, I would hope that Eric Dyer doesn't get the start in the midfield. I understand the point of having a defensive presence against a team like Manchester United and the vaunted MLS All-Stars. But uh, hopefully we'll see Dembele back in his normal central midfield position with Lamela on the wing. Or in G, if it happens in time, but probably Lamela. Uh, all in all, I think it's a pretty decent matchup for us. Stoke didn't offer much last week. 
Um, don't really see them opening up much more than that unless Shakiri gets the start, which could cause us problems. Athelai on the left, if we play Kyle Walker, could also cause us problems. But I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident about this one, especially at home. I'm going to say Tottenham win 2-1. All right, Jake, we mentioned earlier how good you looked the previous match week. Now you're having to travel to the Liberty Stadium to face Swansea. How are you feeling heading into that match? I don't know. I'm confident because we're playing well, but at the same time, Swansea also played very well against Chelsea. So yeah. I think it's going to be uh, really for good For everybody game. that doubted all of my Gomez love, you know, correct yourselves because that boy's a baller. He's going to score 15 goals. I don't know what you want. With AU and Jefferson Montero and Sigurdsson behind him, he's scoring 15 goals. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. That's fine. I'll collect your money at the end of the year. <laughs> Sorry. Not to, not to derail you too heavily there. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, Swansea did play very well at the weekend. So that I think it's going to be a similar game to the Southampton game. I think it'll be quite open with both teams having lost the chances and probably could be, again, the best the best game out of the game week, which if it is, then that's just surprising. Newcastle just kind of one of the best teams to watch and that would be amazing. But yeah, I think it, I think we'll probably go in with a similar team. Vernon and Nita shook off the sort of like, I don't know what injury he had, but he collapsed on the pitch for ages. So he, it, it's made a miraculous recovery according, according to the, uh, according to the uh, official website. So hopefully he'll be in from the start because we did lose it a lot when he went off and we lost our rhythm. I don't know how he has suddenly become the most important part of our team, but he has. So yeah, that's good that he's back in. He gives us sort of shape and it, he suits the McLaren style of play a lot better than he ever did Pardew. So yeah, he's a player to watch this season. He's not going to score loads or assist loads, but he's just going to be there just settling, settling the play. So that, that's really positive. Um, I thought before the season, I thought Chiotti was going to be the man to do that, but he was terrible when he came on. So hopefully I need to keep that. Um, I would love to see Rolando Aaron get some game time this uh, this game week because he had an incredible preseason and when he got the chances last season, he was very very good. And I, I've said a lot that if he gets a lot of game time this season, he says that he becomes a regular for Newcastle. He was definitely going to be an outside outside shot for the uh, the England squad next summer for Euro 2012 because he is just an incredible player. Uh, so hopefully he gets some game time. And hopefully Mitrovic gets a bit more game time on the pitch as well because it'll be interesting to see how he does. And I think he has sort of like the physicality to really unsettle defenders. I just hope that if he does come on, we keep playing the football we were when Seasale's on and like don't resort to long balls because that's what we did last week and that just gave Southampton so much time on the ball and just kept giving it back to them. And eventually that's why we why we drew the game instead of winning it. And against Swansea, if you give them the ball, you're going to lose. So that is... That's why I'm hoping we don't go for the long ball tactic. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not confident, but I'm not unconfident. I think it could go, it could go anyway, really. But I, I could see it being another like tool draw with lots and lots of chances either end. So yeah, I'll, I'll go for a tool draw. All right. Well, Dan, you know, while we were listening to Jake there, I, I was thinking more about my Gomez thing, and I'm willing to go on record. Would you take this bet where if Gomez scores 15 goals? You owe me FIFA 17, but if he doesn't, I owe you FIFA 17? Sure, it's just, just, as long as it's just Premier League goals. I will be, I'm confident that he will not score 15 Premier League goals, so sure. I'm certain he's scoring 15 goals, so you can throw that in print, because there's a copy of FIFA 17 on the line here, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to win it. 
I'm going to get it. It's going to be super free. You're going to have to worry about all kinds of shipping because I don't know where I'm going to live. It's going to be really complicated <laughs> for you. And I look forward to you being super wrong. Handshake through Skype. <laughs> Fist bump. All right. So now on to your match, Dan. Uh, you're going to be facing Crystal Palace away. Obviously, they have a great track record. They are great fans. Are you, are you a little bit concerned coming into this one or are you more confident that you'll really bounce back from last week's performance? Uh, I'm definitely concerned, although I'm kind of a pessimist, so that's just kind of the norm. But, um, yeah, Palace are really good. <laughs> Palace are very good, although last season they were one of those teams that, despite they had a great fan base, they, they seemed to be better away from home than at home because they're counterattacking sides, you know, at away from home. They are uh, able to sit back in a counterattack. But, um, yeah, so I'd be all for seeding some possession as part of her tactics because their biggest strength is just quick, direct counterattacks through their wingers and just get the ball into the danger area. But as far as starting 11 problems, the biggest question will be who starts next to Coquelin because unless we're buying a central midfielder in the next, like, five hours, that's not gonna, it's going to be him starting. So uh, I want it to be Gazorla because he controls the tempo much better than Ramsey does, like I said earlier. But I'm kind of thinking it's going to be Ramsey. And then if it's not Gazorla in midfield, I'd rather have, well, I guess that depends if Alexis Sanchez is fit. If Alexis is fit, I want him and Ox on either wing, not um, Gazorla because he's not very effective out wide. But for prediction, I'm... Not hugely confident, but we are quite good at bouncing back from losses like that. I mean, everyone's brought it up because of the similarities, but everyone remembers the 3-1 loss at home to Villa, and then we went on like an 11-match and beaten run. So I'll go for a win, but I'm quite worried for the game because I rate Palace very highly this season. I think we've got a lot of quality players. All right. Well, with all of that, we are out of time. So if you have any projects you'd like to plug or tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. Uh, yeah, I'm still Dan. You can still catch me on at Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. I still write for Appeal Index. And me and my friend started a podcast. The first edition came out today. It's called Sons of Arshavin, you know, like Sons of Anarchy. So if you want to hear about Arsenal, Marrying Roy Hodgson or Jose Mourinho's daddy issues, you can get the pod on uh, SoundCloud at, or at Sons of Arshavin or on Twitter at Sons of Arshavin. Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, you can re- I write for EPL Index and Total Dutch Football, who have released another free magazine of a season preview for the Eredivisie, which has now started. That's definitely one to check out if you want familiar- to familiarize yourself with the Eredivisie and the teams in this year. And if anything else, you can get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two N's. Yeah, and before I get into my outro, uh, huge social media news. Clinton and G just changed his uh, Instagram stuff to saying he's a football player for Tottenham. So very exciting times indeed. Another transfer leaked from Tottenham before it's been announced. Pretty sure that's like five in a row for us. But if you'd like to reach me, I'm on Twitter at Kevroff. If you want to catch all of my ramblings, you can do it either on my Twitter, at Kevroff, as I mentioned. I'm also on blog.playtaga.com this season, writing about Tottenham, Crystal Palace, and Sunderland, uh, doing a weekly price point article over on theeaglesbeak.com, so you can easily swap players in and out of your fantasy Premier League side. 
uh, doing a whole bunch of appearances and stuff like that, which I'll keep people apprised of on Twitter. If you'd like to reach us at the podcast, as always, you can either tweet us at EPL Roundtable or email us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. 